Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 9 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This is Part 1 of a two-part story. Listener caution is advised, as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. Late March 2016, Northumbria police appealed to the public as they were growing concerned for two missing people in Tyneside. 25-year-old Anne Corbett and 43-year-old James Prout had been living together at an address on St Stephen's Way in Percy, Maine, a small village located in the northeast of England. James, or Jimmy as he was more commonly known, had learning disabilities and it was worrying as he hadn't been seen by his friends or family since early February. Someone concerned for his welfare reported him missing, along with Anne Corbett, on the morning of Friday, March 25th. A physical description was released, describing Anne Corbett as a white female, large build, with brown hair. The last time she was seen, Anne was wearing a white and navy blue jacket, black trousers and Ugg boots. Jimmy Prout was described as a white male, around 5 foot 9 inches tall, slim build, with short brown hair and unkempt facial hair. The father of two was unemployed at the time of his disappearance and wasn't in regular contact with his family. He was the sixth of eight siblings. His father was absent during his younger years, and as his mother struggled with the children, Jimmy went on to spend time in the care of social services. He'd lived at the property on St Stephen's Way for around two years, however police stated that he lived a transient life and was originally from Newcastle's West End. He seldom spoke to his neighbours, keeping himself to himself. St Stephen's Way had more of a police presence on March 25th, 
Neighbours and the public were told if they saw Anne and Jimmy or knew where they were, they should call 101, the non-emergency number in the United Kingdom, or contact Crime Stoppers, an independent charity where callers can anonymously provide police with information. A day later on March 26th, Supervisor in the Northumbria Police, Peter Bent, issued a statement to the press confirming that five people had been arrested in connection with the murder of Jimmy Prout. Um, Northumbria Police are attempting to identify information with regard to a 43-year-old man called James Prout um, of 75 St Stephen's Way in Percy, Maine. Uh, James hasn't been seen since early February of this year and as a result of a, a report that was made to the police um, in St Stephen's Way at 8 o'clock on Friday morning we've become increasingly uh, concerned for James Prout's welfare um, and would appeal to anybody who's seen James in, in the recent past or has any idea where he might be to contact us as soon as possible. The police investigation has identified um, evidence which tends to suggest that uh, James is dead or has been killed and as a result of that a homicide investigation is ongoing and five people are in custody at Middle Engine Lane Police Station. Of the five people arrested on suspicion of murder, two were male and three were female, aged between 25 to 55. Within a couple of hours of the statement being released, a search party looking for Jimmy Prout confirmed that a body had been discovered around 3.30pm in some scrubland near his home by the entrance to the Tyne Tunnel at East Howden in Wall's End. Supervisor Peter Bent again spoke to the press and said, We only became aware that James was missing when we received a call on Good Friday which identified concerns for his welfare. An investigation was immediately launched and our inquiries established that he had not been seen by friends or family for a number of weeks. Our officers have been speaking to a number of people, and searches have been conducted on St Stephen's Way and in the area surrounding it. As a result of those searches, police have found a body a short distance from his home address. Formal identification is yet to take place, but we are fairly certain that it is James Prout. A forensic team arrived at Jimmy's home and they also went to another property on the same street. Police confirmed that Anne Corbett, who was described as Jimmy's ex-partner, had been found safe and well. Another former partner of Jimmy's, Mandy Carter, who hadn't seen Jimmy in over a decade, also received a visit from the police. They had been in a relationship between 1992 to 2006 before parting ways. She spoke to the Chronicle online newspaper the following day and said, Jimmy was a rogue and a troublemaker, but he was always there for anyone that needed him. I met him in town and he was alright at first. He was as daft as a brush, a real joker and a laugh. Then he started getting into bother, but I kept sticking up for him. Then everything just fell apart. By Sunday, March 27th, of the five people arrested, Four from Percy Main Village were charged with conspiracy to pervert the course of justice in connection with Jimmy Prout's murder. An unidentified 26-year-old male was bailed pending further investigation. 42-year-old Zahid Zaman, 49-year-old Myra Wood and 55-year-old Kay Rayworth were charged with conspiracy to pervert the course of justice. 
25-year-old Anne Corbett was charged with both murder and conspiracy to pervert the course of justice. Three of the accused appeared before North Tyneside Magistrates Court on Tuesday, March 29th, and were photographed leaving the court handcuffed and wearing grey tracksuits. Zahid Zaman appeared before Teesside Court. Only the year before, Zahid had appeared in the local press after helping reunite a lost dog with its distraught owners, and he had also been photographed with Mayor of Newcastle George Patterson and the Mayor of Gateshead Neil Weatherly at a charity event for the homeless. Zahid even declined a reward for the dog's return, telling the press, It gives me a sense of purpose. It feels really good to be able to help someone. I'm just glad she got her dog back. I love animals myself, so for me it's a good outcome. In a preliminary hearing, Anne Corbett appeared via video link, addressing Crown Court Judge Simon Bornartin QC at Newcastle Crown Court. She spoke only to confirm her name, and David Crook, acting on behalf of the prosecution, said, A number of people are charged arising out of the death of James Prout. He was reported missing, having gone out of sight for about a month, and as a result of events of the weekend, his body, in a decomposed state, was discovered. It's a very complex case. A post-mortem has already taken place. The following month, in a further hearing, all four of the defendants appeared via video link, and a trial date was set for November of that year. There were scant details in the local press of what had happened, other than the circumstances of Jimmy Prout's disappearance. Over a year after the body of Jimmy Prout was found, a trial began at Newcastle Crown Court on Wednesday, May 3rd, 2017. Zahid Zaman, Myra Wood and Kay Rayworth's charges had been upgraded from conspiracy to pervert the course of justice and now they joined Anne Corbett being tried for the more serious charge of murder. All four of the defendants denied causing or allowing the death of a vulnerable adult between November 2015 and March 2016, but all pleaded guilty to perverting the course of justice. Paul Graney QC, acting on behalf of the prosecution, detailed a campaign of violence against a vulnerable man who endured what could only be described as something from a horror film. The prosecution alleged that Jimmy's life had been taken on February 9th, 2016, and his body was placed in two sleeping bags and taken to an area of scrubland. It wouldn't be found until six weeks later, around 100 metres from where the defendants lived. In his opening statement, Paul Graney QC said, The prosecution's case is that the four defendants took part in that violence against Jimmy Prout, either inflicting injuries directly or assisting or encouraging the other members of the group to do so. In the end, this conduct was to cause the death of Jimmy Prout. He was assaulted on several occasions, including the days just before his death. Furthermore, these assaults involved the infliction of terrible injuries and were often associated with humiliation. Please note the next part of Paul Graney's statement says what happened to Jimmy Prout and is particularly distressing, so I would skip ahead the next 30 seconds if you want to avoid it. Prosecutor Paul Graney continued, Awfully, on one occasion Jimmy's scrotum was sliced open and his testicle was removed and he was forced to eat it. 
On another occasion, his teeth were removed with a hammer and chisel, and on yet a further occasion, he was forced to submit to intercourse with a dog. The evidence indicates that Jimmy Prout died on February 9th, 2016. In the six weeks that followed, they took steps to cover up what they had done, asking anyone who would listen where Jimmy was, and therefore pretending that they were looking for him when they knew full well he was dead. They also fleeced Jimmy even in death, taking money from his bank account. The prosecutor went on to say, How Jimmy Prout was treated belongs in the Dark Ages, not the 21st century. It is quite clear by late 2015 and into early 2016, the group regarded Jimmy Prout as a legitimate target for violence and abuse. The group considered that Jimmy deserved punishment, and the punishment he received was brutal in nature. The court was told that Zahid Zaman, who was also known by Zed, had been severely injured in a traffic accident and required a wheelchair. He lived with Kay Rayworth, though they were no longer in a romantic relationship, as Zahid had become intimately involved with Myra Wood. Zahid contacted the police on May 25th, 2016, a day before Jimmy's body was found, and he explained that Anne Corbett had attacked him and she had also apparently killed Jimmy Prout. Zahid was highly distressed, stating how worried he was for Jimmy, but the operator struggled to understand him. Kay Rayworth was past the phone and repeated the claims made by Zahid. Kay Rayworth claimed Anne Corbett had attacked Zahid with a hammer after he confronted her about Jimmy's death. During the struggle, some pieces of A4 paper fell from Anne Corbett's pocket. It was believed to be a series of confession letters, which appeared to be written in her handwriting. Anne Corbett was initially arrested and charged with Jimmy Prout's murder. However, upon further investigation by detectives, not everything was as it appeared. The prosecutor told the court, It is important that you should not conclude that any disability experienced by Zahid Zaman would have prevented him from seriously assaulting Jimmy Prout. The evidence runs entirely contrary to such a conclusion. You will hear from witnesses who saw Zaman walking and otherwise demonstrating himself to be physically capable, even to the extent of carrying out assaults. The prosecution's case is that what you will learn about Zahid Zaman provides a compelling basis for believing that he was anything but a passive member of this group. On the contrary, he was its leader and controlling voice, and he was prone to violence. The abuse of Jimmy Prout could not, and indeed did not, occur without his encouragement and participation. After explaining the circumstances in which Jimmy Prout's body was found, Paul Graney QC told the jury that the defendants proclaimed to friends that they were worried about Jimmy when in fact they had taken his body in a wheelchair to an area of wasteland next to the A187 and placed it in two sleeping bags in an effort to make it look like he had died of hypothermia or natural causes while out sleeping rough on a cold winter's night. During a police interview, Kay Rayworth explained that upon instruction from Zahid Zaman, she and Ann Corbett returned to Jimmy's body to retrieve his bank card, withdrawing hundreds of pounds from his account. The torture and eventual murder of Jimmy Prout was said to have been instigated after Zahid Zaman believed that along with Ann Corbett's brother Ivan, Jimmy had played a part in a theft of Zahid's property. A post-mortem of Jimmy Prout's body was carried out by Dr. Nigel Cooper, who was unable to ascertain a cause of death, 
although could confirm that what was left of the body had seen serious trauma on at least four occasions, and the doctor believed it very likely that Jimmy died as a result of his injuries. During the second day of the trial, the court heard from a number of the defendant's friends and family members. It was revealed that both Kay Rayworth and Myra Wood had been partners of Zahid Zaman in the past, and he was extremely controlling in both relationships. The jury heard from a church warden at St John's in Percy, Maine. Susan Gordon, who had known Kay Rayworth since the 1970s, when they were at school and sung in the choir together, explained that in the past they had been like sisters, seeing each other every day. Kay Rayworth worked for a care company, and it wasn't until she became involved with Zahid Zaman after the couple had made contact through a dating site that she no longer spoke to a friend. Zahid Zaman's dating profile picture showed an image of him with superimposed gold bullion bars behind him. On one occasion while cleaning her daughter's flat, Susan Gordon told the court she heard a commotion outside. She looked out of the window and saw Kay Rayworth being struck by Zahid with a walking stick at a bus stop. Zahid looked as if he was wearing a recording device, so Susan felt unable to take any action, worried the footage would be used against her. She later found out that her friend had converted to the Islamic faith, and Zahid then asserted Kay wasn't allowed to socialise with anyone who wasn't Muslim. This was something Susan Gordon found surprising, as she told the court that previously Kay's Christian faith had been extremely important to her. The witness was asked, Would you say Zaman appeared to be a controlling person? She replied, Yes. When Kay tried to leave Zahid, he told her he had taken 200 paracetamol and would only get his stomach pumped if she would take him back. Unable to leave, Kay stayed with him. Zahid Zaman also claimed to be a gangster and suggested he had to wear a bulletproof vest if he ever travelled to Sheffield as he was on a rival gang's hit list. Kay Rayworth's children, John and Emma, also addressed the court and explained how their mother became distant after getting involved with Zahid Zaman. They felt pushed away and often didn't believe some of the things that Zahid said. Kay Rayworth's son even explained that on one occasion he had to move back home briefly and was sent a bill of £2,700 to cover his stay. When questioned by Peter Makepeace QC, acting on behalf of Kay Rayworth, John agreed that this was not the sort of thing he would expect from his mother. Myra Wood's daughter Elizabeth also addressed the court and explained that her mother had also become distant after she started a relationship with Zahid Zaman when the pair met through Facebook. Francis Fitzgibbon QC, who was acting on behalf of Myra Wood, asked the defendant's daughter, as the relationship with Zed developed, did she continue to be caring towards you? Elizabeth Wood replied, No, I used to keep in touch with her, not the other way around. She was asked, Do you know why? Elizabeth Wood replied, because of him, because of Zed, or not even call it a relationship, he was in control of my mum. The witness also spoke about the time she would visit the property her mother shared with Zahid Zaman, and on occasion, Jimmy Prout was present. Elizabeth Wood told jurors, When Jimmy was there, I came downstairs to meet him. Zed spoke to Jimmy with no respect, like a skivvy. Kay Rayworth's relationship to Anne Corbett was also explained. Anne Corbett had learning difficulties and she looked up to Kay as a motherly figure. 
Myra Wood was living with Ann Corbett and Jimmy Prout in a house owned by Kay Rayworth. Along with Zahid Zaman, the five were often in each other's company. Zahid was the most controlling of the group and would often manipulate the other members to do his bidding. On the third day of the trial, it was revealed that Zahid Zaman told a relative of Kay Rayworth's that he had been in a car accident which had left him unable to walk. He informed them that he was in a coma after sustaining horrific injuries and would often suffer fits. Although he said he couldn't walk, he was often seen getting out of his wheelchair. Zahid Zaman had met Jimmy Prout in 2008 at the Monument Metro station in Newcastle. After their first meeting, they often saw each other at the People's Kitchen, an organisation that provides support for the homeless and disadvantaged in Newcastle. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand. And now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safe for families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to Centair.com and using promo code AMONGUS for an extra 25% off your first order. 
That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at Centair.com. The jury would go on to hear from Dawn Statham, who worked as a community housing officer at North Tyneside Council. Sahid Zaman had accused a member of council staff of assaulting him, and so Dawn Statham, who had been working for the council nearly 37 years, undertook an initial interview to investigate the matter. During the meeting, Zahid explained he was unable to talk, so typed his replies into a computer which spoke for him. He had a recording device attached to him during the alleged attack, and so provided the footage to the council. Dawn Statham told Zahid that the council would be completing an internal investigation, but he wouldn't be told the outcome. She later sent him a letter confirming the conversation and put the complaint to the back of her mind. Soon after, Dawn received an email from a solicitor in Newcastle. A copy of the letter that she had allegedly sent to Zahid Zaman was also included. While the header and footer from the letter are identical to the one she had written, the contents were entirely different. I will read the letter that was sent, however please note it does include some extreme racial slurs. It read as follows. Dear Mr Zaman, you are a fucking packy bastard an immigrant benefit sheet claiming to be disabled. We at the council believe that you are the problem. You cause trouble and then claim to be the victim and you are nothing but scum. We advise you to do the following options. A. Move as we are not interested in helping you. B. Stop moaning to the police as they have had enough and have proper crimes to deal with. Or C. Accept you are a fucking packy bastard and you are not disabled but an immigrant benefit sheet. Every department and employee at the council agrees with this. Also, we have full support of the MBM. In order to conclude, why don't you kill yourself and save us loads of money since your life is that bad due to the alleged hate crimes? Yours sincerely, Dawn Statham. While Dawn Statham vehemently denied writing the letter, insisting it was fabricated, a police investigation was undertaken and she was interviewed under caution. She told the court that she had done nothing to elicit that sort of response. The prosecutor asked if it was an upsetting experience, and she confirmed it was. Neither Dawn Statham or any employees at the council were prosecuted for the letter. Mark Woolen, a former neighbour of Zahid Zaman, took to the stand. He was initially friendly with Zahid but the two fell out after Mark Woolen had thrown a torn-up whoopee cushion over his neighbour's fence, which Zahid had left hanging on his neighbour's front door. Zahid's dogs had eaten bits of the cushion and been sick, so Zahid allegedly attacked his neighbour with a sock containing a snooker ball. Mark Woolen later reported the incident to the police, however no action was taken, and Mark received a caution for throwing litter over his neighbour's fence. Another neighbour also addressed the court and said that he had seen Zahid walking around the estate, balancing on a garden wall and carrying furniture. Leslie Scott, who lived opposite Zahid, described an incident where his garden shed had been burnt down in 2011. After the incident, while Leslie Scott would hang out his washing to dry, Zahid's arm and frequently appeared shaking a box of matches. Frustrated, Leslie realised that Zahid was using a hidden camera which he operated through a handheld device. Leslie Scott tried his best to ignore his neighbour's taunts. 
The jury also heard from other residents of Percy, Maine, who described Zahid Zaman as a dominant ringleader who told the others in his group what to do. Another trap he liked to set was to accuse locals of being racist and then he would film them to capture their reactions. The same neighbours also described Jimmy Prout as a quiet but courteous man. He barely spoke in Zahid's presence. A resident of Percy, Maine who worked in the People's Kitchen recalled how from October 2015, Jimmy slowly became more withdrawn and only a few months later, towards Christmas, he noticed Jimmy had cuts, bruises and a black eye. Jimmy was asked how he was and lifted up his top. His body was covered in bruises. Zahid would speak on Jimmy's behalf and explain that Jimmy had been attacked by a group of men armed with baseball bats. The witness said that Jimmy looked really, really frightened and barely spoke, often staring at the floor. On May 8th, 2017, the court heard from Helen O'Keefe. The witness who had known Kay Rayworth for around a decade described that she had often seen Zahid Zaman out of his wheelchair. She told the jury, I saw him carrying crutches running for the bus. I saw that on a couple of occasions. Lee McGregor, who helped Walking With, a project looking to help asylum seekers and local destitute people by providing food and small grants, also addressed the court and told them the type of person Jimmy Prout was. She said, Jimmy was a lad who had a heart of gold. He would fly to the moon and back just to help you. He was so kind-hearted that nothing was too good for him to do for you. She also went on to describe how Jimmy helped her. She said, he even decorated my house and he enjoyed it and I didn't even ask him to do it, he just did it. I'm glad for this when I sit in my living room knowing Jimmy did that out of the kindness of his heart. It gives me great memories of him. A doctor from North Tyneside General Hospital, Dr. Martin Anfield, took to the witness stand. He explained to the court that he treated Jimmy Prout for his injuries on November 27, 2015. The doctor said, He was quite obviously injured. He was walking with some discomfort. It was obvious from the facial injuries he had been recently injured in that manner. I asked him what had happened to him and he replied he had been assaulted by several people. He informed me it had happened the previous week, approximately nine days before I saw him. He said he had been kicked, punched and hit with a baseball bat or similar. His main complaint was about his left shoulder. He must have been hit with something hard or fallen from a great height. The doctor said that Jimmy didn't volunteer who caused his injuries. However, Jimmy later told a police officer, PC Martin Eyre, that he was attacked by a group of men, one of which was Ann Corbett's brother. Jimmy also told the officer that the attack occurred nine days before he decided to come to hospital. PC Eyre explained to the jury that both Zahid Zaman and Ann Corbett were waiting for Jimmy in the hospital waiting area. Although the pair explained that they had also been threatened by Anne's brother, Zahid later told the officer Jimmy had received his injuries falling off his bike. In between the doctor's statements, the jury was shown images of Jimmy's injuries. These included severe abrasions to the back of his neck, bruises to the right side of his face, wounds to his forehead, two injuries to his nose, severe bruising under his left eye, scratches to his neck and arms, bruises and lacerations to his legs, extensive bruising and stab wounds to both shoulders, and a triangular stab wound to his scrotum. 
on the fourth day of the trial, the court heard from a general practitioner in North Shields. Dr. Timothy Pearson said that Jimmy arrived at his appointment with three other people on November 30th, 2015. Though the GP couldn't identify the people that were with his patient, he did say that one was in a wheelchair. He said it was a chaotic consultation where Jimmy never spoke, but the GP was informed by those that were with him that Jimmy had been in a fight. He had attended hospital the previous week, but now needed a sick note. Upon examining the patient, the doctor noted bruising and grazing on Jimmy's face and upper body. A few weeks later, Jimmy returned along with the same three people who attended the first appointment. A referral was made by the doctor to the Community Learning Disability Team to see if they could help. By January of the following year, Dr. Pearson again examined Jimmy. The same three people also attended this third appointment, and this time they told the doctor that Jimmy had pulled out his own teeth with a pair of pliers. The doctor would later tell police, Mr. Prout appeared unkempt and frightened. Another witness took to the stand during the trial into the murder of Jimmy Prout. They said they had seen photos of Jimmy's injuries on Myra Wood's phone. During January 2016, on a bus journey with both Zahid Zaman and Myra Wood, Sharon Turner, who was friends with the two defendants, explained that she was shown the images by the pair who were laughing as they viewed them. The witness informed the court that in the photos, Jimmy was black and blue, from his neck to his waist, and when she asked the pair who did this to him, Zahid Zaman replied that he did and that Jimmy deserved it. Zahid's barrister addressed the witness and implied that perhaps she didn't see the pictures and Zahid didn't carry out the attack, but Sharon Taylor replied, well I'm sorry, you are wrong because he did. Further residents of Percy, Maine addressed the jury, including a neighbour that found Jimmy Prout outside her home one morning towards the end of January 2016. She said, I was trying to get him to stand up. He had no top on, no shoes on, a sleeveless jacket, and was bare under that. He had a thick beard, his eyes were sunken, he looked ill. He was covered in bruises all over his body, arms and face. He was thin, he was not with it. He was not normal the way he was talking. It was really frosty. The pavement was white with frost. I didn't just want to leave him. I asked where he lived and he didn't want me to ring anyone. A further witness would tell the court that he saw Jimmy towards the end of 2015 or the start of 2016. He said, Jimmy nearly fell on top of my railings. He was really weak as if he was sick. At the time I seen him, last time, he looked very white and pale and unsteady on his feet. Two other residents of Percy, Maine told the court how on the evening of February 9th, 2016, they smelt a fire in the garden of Jimmy's home on St. Stephen's Way, with one witness even posting a comment on Facebook confirming the date. Both Zahid Zaman and Kay Rayworth were identified in the garden, along with another woman with black hair. February 9th was the day in which prosecutors believed Jimmy Prout died from his injuries. This is the end of episode 9. To hear more from the trial, including testimony from the witnesses, forensic experts and the defendants, please tune in next time.
Thank you for listening and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information, please visit theywalkamonguspodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast provider. Murder Road Trip is a bi-weekly podcast where I, Haley, travel to the scene of the crimes in my car, the Mobile Beast Lab. I am joined by my regular co-host Jess and our podcasting friends as we discuss the cases. Join us on the road for snacks, mixtapes, games and more as we make the research journey to crime scenes around the United States and the world. Make sure to check your backseat and we'll see you at the next rest stop. 